Welcome to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger, and I'm joined by Andrew Cooper of Fantasy Alarm. Coop, you're like the second guest to get to enjoy my really, really dope intro song. So congratulations on that. Uh, welcome to Press Coverage. And Press Coverage, we're always trying to look for the, the guests that can help us sift through the noise and help us find the edges uh, so we can win in our leagues. I think it's getting harder and harder to find those edges. It's like the information age. There's so much out there. But we're going to sift through it. We're going to get you ready for week five. We're going to talk about a couple of must-start players. But Coop, you're 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 rolling, man. You're you're everywhere. You're you're dropping multiple shows a week. Why don't you let everybody know where they can find your work? Yeah, man. So hey, just want to say thanks for having me on, dude. And for the folks listening, like this isn't our first rodeo. You and me have been doing yeah. it since the Goat District, bro. I, that's why even if I'm super busy, when Theo says it's time to rock, it's time to rock. Because you guys have a great audience. I've been a big fan of Player Profiler forever. You know, I did the uh, Find a Mansion with Matt. But, yeah, man, uh, for me personally, I do, I've do. i been doing shows every day of the week. Uh, we kind of cover the one to three block. But if you go over the Fantasy Alarm YouTube, I'm subscribed to this one. You should subscribe to ours. I We basically have it set where Monday, I break down all the usage for all the players. Tuesday, waiver questions. Wednesday, trades. Thursday, lineups. Friday, uh, we set a FFPC team, do all that. Theo, I got to get you on that show. So, I'm uh, down. yeah. And if you just follow me on Twitter, that's where all my articles, all my stuff goes. I make the uh, the some the ones I've been giving back to the community, the ones that got me even into this industry, I still do those for free. Like even though Fantasy Alarm, you know, they want things paywalled, whatever, the yin and yang, tight end, stuff like that, always going to be free for you guys. So uh, definitely you throw the follow on there. You get all that stuff for free. Yeah, and – the, you know, I was going to wait till after the break, but why don't we just jump into it? Because I'll say the yin and yang uh, tight end article, like if you're looking for a specific tight end article, this is it. There's, I, I honestly think that I know we like we have you covered on a lot of stuff at Player Profiler. Uh, some of our competitors are putting out very strong material, but in terms of specifically looking at the tight end position uh, in depth, you know, you've sort of developed this reputation in the industry. And I don't like to call you that. Cause I feel like you're like this multifaceted, uh, you know, fantasy analyst and you shouldn't get kind of like, you know, pigeonholed into being like this tight end guy. Cause you're actually like really good at every other position, <laughs> but the tight end position you've got down to a science. And why don't you explain what the yin and yang article is, how you classify tight ends. It's not like, Hey, Andrew's going to rank his top 12, you do it a little differently. Yeah. So, I mean, and again, player profiler, I still subscribe to player profiler, even though we're technically competitors. It's like in this industry, we're all kind of working together to help gamers that care beat the casual gamers. That's the way I look at it. Like, yeah. that's where it's like with us on Reddit. It's like people got to realize it's us against the world, you know? So people that watch this show are the same people that like our stuff because we take it to another level, right? And the reason I do the yin and yang tight end the way I do it is it's not like every other position at wide receiver and running back. You know how to navigate rostering players because you're always going to roster the players you're using, right? So in terms of weekly rankings, those players are always going to be on your roster. And then at the bottom, you're still stashing guys with tight end. It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes you don't want to drop your, your upside tight end for just whoever is the best weekly matchup this week. I mean, it's I guess it works with kicker and, and defense too, but you're not going to roster two. Basically, the way I figured out how to do it with tight end is I do my rankings not in a linear fashion. 
at the top, you have one tier, standalone tier. If you have Travis Kelsey, you only need a tight end for your bye week. You're not rostering two. That's the way it goes. And there are a couple guys in that in that tier. Uh, a few guys dropped out where I'm not trusting them anymore, and a couple guys moved up. Sam Laporta, to me, is a guy that's in that tier now. Evan Ingram, guys that we can trust for the time being. We'll talk about them on the show, I imagine, because you probably want to do some tight end talk. But oh, yeah. af- after that, uh, after that standalone tier, the next level, we call it yin and yang. Yin is the safest play, especially for early in the season, that you can start. And the yang is the highest risk, high reward option. And the reason you have both is that if you go only high risk, then you could bleed games. People were drafting Cole Komet last year. He started off with back-to-back zeros, but he finished as tight end six, right? Uh, or vice versa. If you if you only take a really safe, boring guy, then you that's just a one-way ticket to third place. So what we're doing is we're basically using the yin as a placeholder while we find the breakout. And every year for 17, for the last six years now, a tight end's come from outside the top 17 to finish top five. So they're out there. We're going to find them. I mean, last year was a perfect yin and yang tight end. I don't want to go too far on this because, you know, people probably heard uh, for people that are hearing this for the first time. The perfect example was last year we were drafting Zach Ertz because we knew DeAndre Hopkins was suspended for six games. And we were saying, let's start Ertz. It gives us six games to find a breakout. Sure enough, we go out. Evan Ingram ends up being that guy drafted outside the top 20, finishes top five. That's how you do it. You can't you weren't starting. Rookie Mark, you know, Mark Andrews, his breakout year right away. You weren't starting Darren Waller. The only way to get those guys was draft two. And this year, a bunch of people going yin and yang tight end. You know what they did? They drafted two, and one of them happened to be Sam Laporta, and now they're the kings of the world. All those leagues where you look around at the waivers and the breakout tight end wasn't there, sometimes people took two. Sometimes people took two quarterbacks, and one was Anthony Richardson. It's not crazy in today's age to take two. So that's the end of that that spiel, Theo. Hope I didn't take up too much of the show. No, no. I think that's that's uh, you explained it perfectly. And we actually had you on first class fantasy with Billy Muzio and I. Uh, you know, when we were in like the end of drafting season, end of end of August, I believe was when you were on, and we talked about chasing the upside at the tight end position. I think one thing that you know really resonated with us, and a great way that you explained things was kind of the flatness of the tight end position. And that's why that was the whole thesis for Kincaid and Laporta. And I think certain people were scared off by those two. And we're going to touch uh, base on, on Kincaid a little more, but certainly like the whole narrative that we can't take rookie tight ends, you, you thought that was a kind of ridiculous one at the time. And maybe you could kind of share why you were so aggressive towards, you know, drafting these guys. I mean, aggressive is the right term. And I will say that people were, you know, because I was calling it lazy. I was saying it's lazy analysis to say never draft rookie tight ends because you have to you have to evaluate each individual player in each individual situation. Are we really going to punish Sam Laporta because Eric Ebron wasn't good as a rookie? That doesn't make any sense. Eric Ebron was playing with uh, you know Megatron and he was playing with Golden Tate and he was a totally different player. So it's very rare that we get breakout rookies because. You had not only have to have the best pass catching tight end on the team, but he has to be a top two pass catcher in general. I mean, Kyle Pitts fit the mold. He had a thousand yards and people pretend like that didn't happen. Right. This year, most years I pour cold water all over him. Last year, people were asking me about rookie tight ends and I said, no, forget about them. Right. Like none of them have the path. None of them have the have the opportunity, even if they have the skill. This year we had three guys that I said, hey, the skill is there. The opportunity is there, and we're just going to see what happens. It was Dalton Kincaid, it was Sam Laporta, and it was Luke Musgrave. Michael Mayer, unfortunately, not only was he 
uh, he's more of an inline tight end, but he, as we see now, he's splitting with Austin Hooper. And I mean, they have Jacoby Myers and, and then Devontae Adams, and all these other guys. So his path was convoluted, but uh, you just got to look at it individually. And next year, the thing is, people are going to come to me and say, we're doing it again, right? Brock Bowers? Well, maybe. Well, let's see where Brock Bowers lands. Because if, if Brock Bowers lands on a team that has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, people might get excited, but how it's incredibly rare for a don't, team. Don't to put have, that out there, Coop. I know. Let's I'm get sorry. Brock Bowers on a team. <laughs> let's get him safely. Do yeah, safely to it. Dude, I put an even worse one out there on our show the other day. I said, what if – I'm going to say it here, but I don't apologize. What if his – Offensive coordinator from college wants him on the team, and he ends up spending time behind Mark Andrews. <laughs> well, that would be, you know, you could still Nightmare, make your paint, paint yourself a picture that Mark Andrews maybe they get rid of him when he's thirty. He I mean, do. Brock Bowers, you can't, you can't, you can't ruin Brock Bowers for us. Can't Dude, Brock Bowers? He's, he's too good. Truth. He's too good, he's man. Truth. But yeah, but so but, but we, what we do is we analyze each player in each situation individually. So me calling people lazy, it's. If you if your analysis and and is lazy and you're going to leave it at oh he's a rookie he can't be good well not only were you lazy but you were wrong. So, there you go. There's there's very few things in life where being unwilling to change and being like steadfast with like dogmatic rules uh, and not being at least a little bit flexible like in, in it's not just in fantasy football there's other other you know other wor- jobs that you can say this for but like this was the whole notion years ago that we would never draft a wide receiver that was switching teams. Uh, these guys always failed. And then all of a sudden, Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins and, o- and Odell Beckham. And, you know, now it's A.J. Brown. And, I mean, there's a million examples of this. That used to be kind of a rule. There used to also be rules that, you know, we didn't want, you know, these rookie receivers. We'd rather have them be, like, third-year breakouts. Then now the third-year breakout, like, you get written off uh, if you haven't broken out in the first two years. So, I think that, you know, being flexible and being willing to kind of change your rules, uh, you know, with your fantasy football approach is what like a lot of the great analysts and great drafters do. Um, And I think that now from now on, people are going to be a little bit more open to drafting these guys like Brock Bowers. Brock Bowers actually might get way overdrafted because Sam Laporta is such a baller. Yeah, honestly, and we do this all the time, chasing, chasing last year, chasing last week, chasing narratives. We just got to look at it individually. But I just... To the, your point, your your biggest one, though that's the worst. If the answer to a rule is that, well, that's just the old, the way we've always done it, not only does that mean that that's, it's probably stupid, but it's also going to be incredibly difficult to change. Unfortunately, those are the hardest rules to change if when they say, well, we've always done it this way, right? But yeah. time to think about, let's, and the way I always look at it is, hey, that's how we get an advantage. Some of the best advantages come from those psychological, oh, never been a good rookie tight end? Why? Right? Why? Oh, this guy's a wide receiver two on his own team. So he gets faded. Well, guess what? You know, last year, uh, half of the wide receivers in the top 20, 10 of the top 20 wide receivers came from just five teams. So being the wide receiver on your own on your own team as continues to be one of the best discounts. Like take those little psychological tricks and put them in your back pocket. Right. I, the rookie tight end one might be out of the bag now, but there's still a ton out there, man. There's still so yeah. many. David Montgomery can't be good because Jameer Gibbs is there. Oh, OK. Well, yeah. we're going to touch base on on Detroit. Um, you're going to try to make me feel good about my Jameer Gibbs shares, or yeah. will you, when we hear uh, from a word from our sponsors? Hey, we're all starting new fantasy leagues all the time. And more often than not, where do we start our fantasy leagues at Player Profiler? On Sleeper. Because it's the best. You can imagine my excitement 
when I saw Sleeper rolled out. Sleeper picks, baby. And game stacking is the path to positive returns with these pick'em games. Find that sneaky shootout and set most of the players to go over their projection for that week. Or you find a game going to get dragged into the mud and take every member of the passing game for less than their projections that week. And if you pick up to eight, that's how you 100x your payout on Sleeper. It's called the Hail Mary. So if you use promo code UNDERWORLD, you get a $100 instant deposit match. Check out Sleeper's terms and conditions for details. These Sleeper picks are live in over 25 states. Yeah, buddy. Welcome back to Press Coverage. I'm Theo Greminger, joined by Andrew Cooper of Fantasy Alarm. Uh, Coop, you know, we, we talked about how you came on First Class Fantasy, and then you've also come on Mind and Mansion recently. Uh, you've been a, a notable guest in the Roto Underworld. But the last time we talked... You know, we were still trying to sift through, identify our favorite ADP values. And now we have four weeks of sample size. This is like we have real information. Uh, we're able to kind of sift through and say, you know, maybe I was right here. Maybe I was wrong here. I'm mad at this coach. Maybe this coach is waiting to slow play guy. But when you take a step back and you look at the season in general, besides Puka Nakua, who is your most pleasant surprise, a player that's performance has really wowed you that maybe you weren't on necessarily this summer? Yeah, I mean, the Rams in general, like, I mean, not, it's not just Puka. I mean, Kyron Williams is, what, RB3 right now? Matt Stafford is throwing some darts, man. Like, he is looking nice out there. So, uh, got to go with the Rams in general. One player that I was uh, – I was – I was in the, this, this is the part that hurts for this player is that I was in on him in dynasty as a rookie. I comped this guy to, uh, to Kenny Galladay, same height, speed, draft capital, uh, pretty much very similar player. And it was Nico Collins. And I was throwing some darts at him in best ball, but I turned around and looked at my redraft teams and I don't have as much of him as I thought that I would considering this is a guy that I had previously liked. And I just, I was, you know what it was that I was going for guys like John Mechie, some of these, you know, other, uh, you know, unproven upside guys, but Nico Collins, man, has has really shown that he could be a true X wide receiver in this league. That he can be a split end that tethers his foot to the line. He might have some trouble in tough matchups, but when you can play that role, you can you can play a massive snapshot. Look at Michael Pittman; he never comes off the field because he can tether his foot to the line opposite the tight end. And Nico Collins is proven that he can do that, which is kind of rare in in this age. So, man, talk about, I mean. What is he like wide receiver seven right now? Yeah. Is that going to hold? I don't 35 know. 35 points last week in PPR. Got to be fired up. Yeah. Got to be fired up by Nico Collins. Yeah. And it just goes to show you when you have a big quarterback upgrade and you have a offensive coordinator who gets it, that things can turn around for some of these players. And, you know, I think that there was a number of dynasty managers that kind of got off of Nico Collins or at least were, you know, had him in the back end of their roster and didn't really think about it. It's like found money. If you have him and if you, you know, kind of gave up on him, it's it's really, really difficult one to swallow because he's really, really good. How about a player that you were bullish on that you're super disappointed about, uh, you know, either the way they're being used or their performance on the field? Yeah, I mean, this one good player I can make you can make all the excuses in the world, but the numbers are not there for Miles Sanders. And I, I wrote a full article just on Miles Sanders kind of explaining that, hey, you know, the Eagles offense is as good as it is. 
you know, the quarterback doesn't throw to running backs. They threw the fewest passes to running backs last year. He uses the tush push and, and all the other RPO stuff to vulture touchdowns. I was like, this is a good opportunity for him. The GM wants to throw him passes and, you know, he has the second most targets of any running back, but either he's hurt, which I, this is when you get to the bad place, right? The, uh, when you sit here and your guy is p- producing so poorly that you're hoping he's hurt. Like, when you have good players, you do not want them to be hurt. But when your players are playing bad, I sit here and I'm like, geez, I hope this guy is hurt. Like, I hope that the groin's bothering right now and that there's a version of this guy out there that looks better because the version we're seeing right now doesn't even look as good as Chuba Hubbard. And I've, you and I, how many times have we seen Chuba Hubbard get a shot and not look good? You know, Donta Foreman came off the street and played over him and had like 900 yards. And right now, when I, it's hard to watch the game and not say, that guy's better than this guy. So for Miles Sanders right now, I ho- I'm just hoping that it's a growing that he's going to get better. I want to know your thoughts though on the guy. No, I, I completely agree with you. I think Miles Sanders is a guy that they gave the big contract to, and I think he's breaking down a little bit. I think he had the the pec injury and now the groin injury, and you don't like seeing guys have multiple injuries. And last week you saw them kind of limiting his volume. He played less snaps than Chuba Hubbard. He was outgained by Chuba Hubbard. I mean, both of them were abysmal on the ground. I think Chuba Hubbard was like two and a half yards a carry, and Sanders didn't break two yards a carry. Um, neither one was very good, but you're right. Um, Chuba looks a lot better. I wonder if they're going to sit uh, Miles Sanders down soon, um, and I think that could come sooner than later. They're trying to protect Bryce Young at all costs. I don't think they want to limit personnel for him, um, but at the end of the day, you can only do so much when you're banged up. Um, and Miles Sanders is definitely a very, very good answer there. Um, that's a tough one. Hey, and we see we see the the kind of the rumblings that Carolina is going to aggressively go after a wide receiver. Today there's a report about Hollywood Brown. They've been linked to T. Higgins. I mean, there's been a lot of these, a lot of these guys out there. Certainly the Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, anytime somebody's trading for a receiver, um, you know, those guys, those names come up. Would you care to guess which guys they're going after and kind of which guy would make the most sense for them to go after? So I didn't even hear the Marquise Brown news, the Hollywood Brown news, but he was on my list. So you have to think like when this happens, everybody throws every name out, but you got to think about where this team is, right? They are 0-4. The, they, the wide receiver they want is not one to win the Super Bowl. The wide receiver they want is one to grow with their young quarterback at this point, right? So they're not going to, Devontae Adams, you know, all the rumors and stuff. Why would Devontae Adams, if he wants to win now, go to a team that hasn't won a game? Why would why would the Bucs trade Mike Evans in the division to a 31-year-old Mike Evans, you know? So you have to look for two things that will allow a young player to, to change teams. It's uh, either underperforming and needing a change of scenery, right? Or it's a guy that the team knows they can't pay him. Like uh, Chandler Jones, we know everything is – going on with him is crazy right now. But back when, back when he was with the Patriots, he was a good player. They just knew they weren't going to pay him, and they traded him away, and they still won the Super Bowl. So I look around and I say, okay, T. Higgins, like, you know, they don't – short-term doesn't matter, so they can let him heal from the injury. And if the if the Bengals aren't going to pay him, you know, let him go. Uh, to maybe do a re-roll on a, Rash- a Rashad Bateman, right? Uh, Marquise Brown's perfect because he not only he, – he's just not – he's an old regime guy. The old regime went and got him. And if they plan on to move on from Kyler Murray, well, you don't need Kyler Murray's roommate anymore, do you? Right? Like yeah. maybe it's time to make that move. Uh, I also throw out like 
uh, Jamison Williams, maybe if, if he's not a, you know, they've, he's already been suspended for the, you know, like breaking the rules, all that. Like if he's not a, if he's not a culture fit, maybe he goes and then kind of a dark horse one would be like a, a Deontay Johnson. Will you look around and say, Hey, you know, we got to pay, we're going to have to pay pickings. We got to all, you know, it's like the Steelers have not been afraid to let guys go knowing that, Hey, you know what? This Calvin Austin guy, He's coming out and he's kind of giving us a little glimpse of what Deontay Johnson gives us anyway, maybe with less drops. So I don't know, maybe that's that's an opportunity as well. No, I love it. I think that the the Hollywood Brown makes sense. He's right. he's definitely a, a solid wide receiver, um, has had good success in this league, and he's coming up on a contract. So, you know, I think those kind of guys make sense. T. Higgins is the one though, Coop. I think if they have an opportunity to go get T. Higgins, especially because they don't have a first rounder in this draft. Like T. Higgins is their best chance to add an alpha. They don't have their first rounder to offer, but I think two second rounders probably gets it done. Cincinnati's going to have to pay Jamar Chase uh, a record-breaking contract. I mean, Chase already wants Chase wants to set the market. Uh, it's going to be something crazy, and they already paid Burrow. So I think Higgins is the one you want to keep an eye on. And you know, I haven't I have concerns about Bryce Young though. And we talked a little bit about Nico Collins. Why don't you kind of give your thoughts on the rookie quarterback so far? I mean, Anthony Richardson, you brought him up in the show as a guy that people chasing upside were drafting, but I think his plays kind of exceeded expectations. And CJ Stroud, he's blowing expectations out of the water. He looks incredible. Uh, your thoughts on those guys, and then we can kind of touch base on, on Young. Yeah, so honestly, I'm not willing to write off Bryce Young yet. I, I love what we're seeing from CJ Stroud. You got to look at the way these teams are are set up and built like with the Texans, they knew what they wanted to do. It's the Shanahan offense, right? You watched Mike McDaniel go to the, to the dolphins. First thing he did go and get Alec Ingold, right? Second thing you need the fullback. You need the college use check, right? Second thing he did. Well, we need our Trent Williams. They go and pay Teron Armstead, right? This team. And, and then you can build the rest with the weapons. So this, this, Texans team, they knew what they were doing. They went out, they got Andrew Beck, right? He was playing a bunch of fullback. He even ran back that kickoff the other day, which was awesome, right? But yeah, that I was mean, cool. Yeah, you don't crazy, you rarely right? see that. You rarely Never see, that. see that, dude. Yeah. So he heaviest guy to ever run back a kick. Uh Dan Conley for the Patriots scored on that legendary one against the Packers. He would have been definitely far and away the heaviest guy. But yeah, Conley yeah. was like 285, right? Yeah, well, he was like I think I I checked it out. Yeah, I think it said he was he was like three ten playing with three, so okay. big boy, big boy, big boy. So yeah, but um, you look at what the Panthers are doing, and they just said, hey, we're gonna have a brand new offense. Everybody brand new. I've never seen that. I don't know. Have you ever seen a team go out and say, I mean, think about their brand new starting tight end Hayden Hurst, brand new starting running back in Miles Sanders, brand new quarterback, every starting wide receiver, Mingo, uh, DJ Chark and Thielen, all new to the team. I've never seen that. So they kind of set themselves up for a good deal of pain, to be honest, like growing pains for sure. So I, I don't know if we can fully blame that on Bryce Young, but I can say this. If they didn't take him because of the S2 cognitive test and all that stuff, then then it's gonna then it's really going to feel like a mistake if they put enough stock into that, and that was the reasoning, you know? Uh, so I'm rooting for both. I, you know, I always – my default is to root for these guys. I don't root against rookies, quarterbacks – even even as a Patriots fan, I didn't sit here and wish ill on Zach Wilson because it's like, you know what? Let's see what they got. So I, I'm still all everyone has a chance in my eyes. So uh, I can't call it after four games, but gotta love what you're seeing for CJ Stroud. Fantasy football 
is better when there is good quarterback play across the league. Yes. Um, and at the end of the day, Coop, your fantasy team is your real team. You know, you can, right. you can, you can, you can have your fandom, but you know, at the end of the day, it's our fantasy teams that move the needle. Um, and Stroud, yeah, I mean, I think that they they didn't quite go as dramatic, but they add Tank Dell. They're certainly using Nico Collins uh, differently, and and the Robert Woods addition. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think maybe it was a little too much from Carolina. I think they should have been a little bit more calculated in the type of players that they're adding around Bryce Young. And I think the scheme is not really helping him. It's a ton of screen passes. And, you know, Frank Reich at this point looks like he lost his fastball a little bit, but we'll see. It's a lot of season left. Um, this is, this is going to be, uh, an interesting game against Detroit because Detroit is definitely going to put the pressure on Carolina to have to keep up with them. I, I think that this is a tough matchup for them. Um, but let's stay with Detroit. You know, I, I want your opinion on the the running backs, and, and we'll, we touch base on Laporta. I have a couple of other Laporta questions, but yeah. what is your general thoughts on Jamison Williams comes back this week? You know, we thought that this was going to be like a week seven thing for Jamison Williams. Now he's back immediately, and this is a player that played six games last year, had only one catch, but the pedigree, the speed. It's exciting to think about what he could do for this offense stylistically. What are your thoughts? Yeah. So just for everybody out there, you cannot drop him after this week. You can't drop him after next week because people don't realize how difficult it is to play NFL football. It's not a matter of saying like, oh, you know, he was suspended. So he's been working out. He has not been allowed to be around the team at all. He I, they basically halfway through the suspension, you're allowed to do meetings. That's it. No practice, no treatment no trainers, like you can have your own trainers off the side, but nothing prepares you to play gladiator sport. So when Dan Campbell says he's not going to come out and have play 60 snaps, that would be dumb. It's not dumb because he's not a good player or he's not ready to play from a mental standpoint or any of that. It's It would be dumb because he would – like you have to ramp your way up to playing full games. You can't just come out and, and rock right away. So it's going to take time, and there to me there's two outcomes. One outcome is that he's a field stretcher and, you know, he's a speedy guy that can score every once in a while. Uh, and it'll be a boom bust type guy, uh, Deshaun Jackson, T.Y. Hill and Santana Moss type player that is great in best ball, but can't really be trusted week to week. Worst case scenario, you know, the KJ Hamler version version where, you know, he, he just runs around and takes the top off, but they don't actually throw it to him. Cardio or, guy, cardio, cardio guy. Cardio guys on the table. It's on the table, right? For guys like this, like it's it's entirely possible. Right. But the ideal one is the one where can't Dan Campbell describes himself. He goes, I don't care about the touchdowns. I want to see a reliable wide receiver. You can, if you have a field stretcher that transcends into a player that can run a big route tree and get intermediate passes. Well, that's where you get Tyree kill. That's where you get T Y Hilton in his prime where he is the field stretcher and he's running all these other routes as well. That's where you get Brandon cooks for periods. You know what I mean? Like Will Fuller would have stretches where, uh, so that's entirely possible. And, and boy, if either version of it could open things up big time underneath for everybody else, because you got to account for a guy like that, that has that speed and that size on the outside. They don't have that right now. Josh Reynolds is not doing that right now. Yeah. That's sort of been my takeaway. I think it's like a pie grows larger. It makes me like Jared Goff more. I don't see him as any, any sort of a threat to, the Laportas and the, the Amon Ross St. Browns. I mean, I think those guys are kind of entrenched in their roles. I think it would be more of a, you know, stylistically, this is going to be their fastest guy, potentially a big deep threat for them. And I think it kind of dusts 
Raymond, it dusts Marvin Jones. Yeah, um, yeah. Reynolds is interesting. Reynolds, Reynolds has played well, um, and he's had you know pretty consistent usage. It'll be interesting to see if he takes a, a major back seat. But I think that, like you said, there needs to be a little bit of patience uh, there. How about with the running back position in Detroit? Last week was extremely tilting. You know, we thought if you're Jameer Gibbs manager, you thought maybe you'd have the primetime game to yourself. And then David Montgomery plays and Montgomery goes nuts. He's the first Detroit Lion to ever rush for three touchdowns in Lambeau Field. He has 30 plus carries. Uh, It was pretty wild. And Jameer Gibbs, you know, people acted like it was the sky was falling. He ends up running back 25 on the week in PPR, nine and a half points. I mean, disappointing, but it's not like he was a zero. How do you see this thing shaking out? Your thoughts on both, the situation with both? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people said, including me, said, well, he'll be in the Jamal Williams role, but he's not going to score 17 touchdowns. And now I'm looking at it, I'm like, well, <laughs> like five touchdowns through three games. I was near, I'm like, well, maybe. Yeah, he's probably still not going to score 17, but I mean, maybe. Now, maybe. B- b- before we were saying no, and now we're saying maybe, right? So, like, uh, you got to love it. And I will tell you this. Uh, Austin Eckler, actually, if you uh, he he's been doing some some interviews with people. He did an interview with recently with Matt Harmon. Uh, it's on Twitter. I say I suggest you check out the quick clip. Uh, but basically, what Austin Eckler said is he sees the he you know he watched Jameer Gibbs and he said this guy has the talent. He's he makes all the moves, but you can tell he's a rookie. And and he clarified on that that David Montgomery. Uh, you know, when they're setting up these counters and when they're setting up these zones, uh, these zone rushes, Montgomery plays it straight. He has his shoulders set and he doesn't give the play away. He leads the defense into getting to getting rug pulled with the counter. Right. Uh, you know, he Eckler didn't give this example, but but to those that you know might not be able to picture what I'm talking about. Just imagine you have two quarterbacks. Right. And you run a uh, and you're running play action and one of the quarterbacks uh, just. He takes the snap and he just doesn't even fake the handoff and he just runs right over and throws it. Right. And that might work. Right. If he's if he's talented enough or good enough. But the other quarterback, he really sells the fake and then he goes and makes the play and it all opens wide open for him. That's what David Montgomery is doing is he's selling these counters, selling these fakes. And it's just what they want to see. Right. And with a guy like DeAndre Swift. What they're saying is that he didn't read plays well at all. And I even saw a clip from last week of him not reading a play well in the Eagles, right? So with Gibbs, he's going to be good. He's going to be a great pass catching back in this league. His ceiling is probably James. I'm sorry, his floor is probably James White, which James White to me, I'm a Patriots fan. He's a gold plated player. He people forget how amazing he was. So it's a great floor. And then his upside is, of course, still Alvin Kamara. But he's still got a lot to learn about the position, right? The the good news for Gibbs is that you can't teach fast. You can't teach teach jukes, right? To a certain degree, we learn from Jordan Howard, you can't teach a guy how to catch the ball. So he has the raw part, and you can teach a guy how to have patience. You can't teach that other stuff. So just a matter of a rookie needed to learn more stuff. Classic situation for the time being, start them both, whatever. Great great offense, great line, start them both. Yeah, and I'm with you on that. And I think that a lot of times the the stories for these rookie running backs are not told in the first month of the year. Obviously, you know, there's some contingency-based upside for either one of these running backs if the other one goes down. I mean, David Montgomery could go nuts if Jameer Gibbs misses. But, oh, yeah. you know, if if David Montgomery misses time, we already saw, you know, how many carries they're willing to give, give Gibbs. Then if Amon Ross St. Brown or Laporta were to miss time, I think he'd be utilized more as a receiver. 
So I, I think the story hasn't been told. We also saw like how Amon Ross St. Brown in his rookie season, they waited for him to get acclimated and then his role kept growing and growing. And then, you know, second half of the season, they, they used him, you know, predominantly as a focal point. So I'm, I'm still on Jameer Gibbs, you know, people trying to trade me for my Jameer Gibbs and dynasty. I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm chilling. we leave me alone. Uh, we're, we're okay. Us Gibbs owners, we're okay, Coop, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you guys are fine, yeah. dude. I, I yeah. mean, I have Gibbs too. Like we are yeah. good, man. Like just don't worry about it. Like it, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't happen overnight. I mean, some of these, at least he's got a role. Half yeah. Remember David Johnson had to run back kicks until they finally said, Hey, you know what? Okay. You can play now. Right. Like he, uh, I think he had to run back two 200 yard kickoffs or whatever. And then they were like, all right, we'll give you a couple carries. Like the fact that Gibbs already has a game with 17 carries in the NFL. That's you've already won. Like we're nine, a nine, a nine target game and a 17 carry game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, like, we're okay. We got, we got a lot fine. of season left. Look at Zach Charbonnet, dude. He's just yeah. chilling. And yeah. g- let's talk about another running back who's defying expectations. Um, I saw you tweet about him this week, but right now, Brian Robinson of the Washington commanders is up to running back eight on the year in PPR. Uh, your thoughts on Robinson and where do you kind of see him ending up and, and, and talk about his role. Yeah. I'll tell you like, I was, and the reason I tweeted about it is because it's important to me uh, when, so like there's, there's so many narrows to go into things. It's still four weeks, but it's important to me to admit at times where I was wrong to the, and it's kind of been proven already. You know what I mean? Like, so for Brian Robinson, I was completely off him because I mean, last year he came out, he had 205 carries and only nine receptions. Right. So like, I know he missed time. He was, you know, shot or whatever, but he wasn't shot in the hands. So the fact that he only got nine receptions on a season where he had 200 carries, I was like, hey, you know what? They want to split the backfield. They have a converted wide receiver in Antonio Gibson. They're going to split the backfield. And it the split isn't half and half. The split essentially is half for Robinson, the rushing half. And then they take the pass half and he gets half that too, which we have three fourths of roll. It's all you it's all you need in this world, right, Theo? So uh, what I do before the season for all the fantasy alarm members, uh, I do a couple things that are that are behind, these are behind the paywall. But I do like a target totem pole where I think how the targets shake out for all the teams. And I do this thing called the running back questionnaire, and I split everything up into five different situations: first down, which is basically first down slash. So I do first down, goal line, third down, two minute drill, and garbage time. And I separate third down from two minute drill because. It's not always the same. A, g- a good example is last year, Jalen Warren was playing on third downs, but Najee Harris would get all the two minute drill snaps because it's a, you know, you need to know all the audibles, all the schemes. There's no substitutions, right? So I split it up. And when I was doing the one for Washington, it didn't cross my mind that Brian Robinson could even have part of the third down work or, or part of the two minute drill work. And it turns out that's the case. So I wrote him off. And uh, if you, if you did grab Brian Robinson based on talent alone, you got to be feeling good. The people that were grabbing these guys that don't catch passes. I mean, if you drafted Brian Robinson and David Montgomery in those roles, then you got to be feeling good about it, huh? Yeah, I mean, it was the the structural drafters where, you know, you were pushing wide receiver up. You've ended up with this tier of the DeAndre Swifts, the Isaiah Pacheco's, uh, James Cook for a while was going late. He steamed up. James Conner, and then, like you said, Montgomery – and then Brian Robinson was going like, you know, in some of these drafts in like the ninth round. Uh, so, yeah, you have a huge, huge advantage uh, with those guys. And and I, I've been impressed with Robinson. 
I started him for, you know, on my teams for a couple weeks. And then this past week, I was like, I didn't love the matchup against Philly. So he was actually on a few of my benches, regrettably. So I think he's the kind of guy you just plug in there and, and you forget about it the rest of the way. Um, what are your thoughts about the Chicago Bears offense right now? We've got, you know, a big time performance last week by Justin Fields, DJ Moore, Cole Komet, and then Khalil Herbert. Is this just a potential of a turnaround or is it just Denver's so bad on defense? We've got to kind of throw this this sample size out. Yeah, I think that's that's a little part of it, man. It's like these players, all of them right now feel to me where like if I got them in best ball, nice. But during the season, I don't really go back and look at I don't go back and look at it and say, oh, nice. DJ Moore is really killing it. My best ball teams. That's the problem with best ball is that you yeah. at the end of the year, you basically just show up and it's like a lottery ticket or scratch ticket. And you just say, did I win anything? Right. You just It's, you know, along the way you think like, oh, you know, I got them in some places, but you're not really caring about it the way you do your redraft. And that's the problem with a lot of these guys is I can't really trust them from week to week. You know, the Broncos, as we know now, through four weeks are the worst team that's ever been measured by DVOA. So obviously getting destroyed by the Dolphins is a big part of that. But, I mean, yikes, that's no good, dude. That's that's pretty rough. Uh, they're going to get back, uh, you know, they're going to back, get back Justin Simmons. They're not going to be this bad all year. But it's hard to trust them in this situation. And the fact that coming out of that game and looking as good as they did, uh, the fact that they're still six-and-a-half-point dogs to Sam Howell, and the Washington Commanders, I mean, that can't have you feeling good, man. Is I almost want to – I honestly, even as a non-Bears believer, I almost want to bet the Bears just thinking like, are they that worse than the Commanders? I mean, they'd have to be I, one of the very strong worst teams in the league to be that – to be six-and-a-half-point dogs to Washington. I mean, Washington's defense is good. They're, they're fine, right? But, like, I mean, come on now, right? Yeah, it's it's definitely – I don't know. I think I think Washington might put it, put it on them. Um, that's a, it's a good matchup for the Washington's offense. I think Chicago has been very generous and, you know, it's the short week and Washington's got a little bit of a pass rush and coming off of a loss coming off of back-to-back losses. I think that they've, they, they're going to go for it. And plus you have the, do we kind of want Chicago to lose because Eberflus is going to get fired afterwards and, you know, potentially a, a change there for fields might be a good one. I don't know. I don't know, Coop. It's a mess. All I know is I'm not that excited to watch a, a Thursday night, that Thursday night game. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there could be there's about ten games on on the slate that I'd rather watch than that game on Thursday. So, uh, we'll, we'll sweat t- there's it. ten games on a ten game slate. I'm That's like, right. you know, I'm trying to, and I was trying to make a showdown lineup the other day, and I'm like, uh, who the hell do I put in here? It's like Terry which, McLaurin. I feel like Terry, Terry McLaurin night. Yeah, get him in there. Yeah, it's going to be a McLaurin one. Um, Let's talk about the New York Giants because, you know, I read the the yin and yang uh, tight end article and you make a nice bullish case for Darren Waller. I think fantasy Twitter and just, you know, NFL analysts in general, it's kind of a sky is falling uh, approach to, to the Giants. And I think they might be correct. I think the team is bad. But in terms of the usage for Waller, Waller's still like tight end 12 on the year, despite appearing to be uh, kind of invisible. Um you seem sort of bullish on him, uh, apparently. Why don't you kind of change people's minds right now in the fantasy space about how we should be treating Darren Waller, where he should be kind of on your your tight end rankings kind of moving forward? Yeah, so I have a routine I do every week where I pull all the statistics and then I'll manually by hand remove all the players that I consider not to be fantasy relevant. 
And I'm talking, I'll even leave, there's probably up to 40 to 50 tight ends that I'll even still leave in there. You know what I mean? So, and then I'll color code all the stats. Uh, I'm talking, I go through target share, route participation, pass block rate, A dot, percentage of routes run from a wide receiver spot, yards per route, yard run, yards after the catch. And then I go through and I look at it and I say, what is prohibiting us from having upside? What's what's stopping us from, you know, uh, what what's like, where can we find something to point at and say, okay, this is our guy. And you go through guys like Tyler Conklin and there's nothing to point at. They're not top 15, 20 and everything. But then you go and you look at guys like Kyle Pitts and Darren Waller and it's green across the board. And we know that with certain guys, uh, you know, that th- there might never be a catalyst that fix things. But like Darren Waller, when you look at his target share, his route participation, his the number of snaps he pass blocks on, it's all green. It's all green across the board. And just this past week, I mean, he was standing in the end zone wide, wide open when Daniel Jones threw a pick six. You saw the play. Yeah, right? that was it was incredibly frustrating for any Darren Waller manager. Uh <laughs> It, it was could have completely changed the narrative and the game would have been a little more competitive. Right. Well, you see, and you see that everyone's playing the clip of Brian, Brian Dable, where he's like, what were you doing? And I was talking about that play. And then you go back and watch it from the camera from behind the end zone. And it's like, Wide open. well, that's what he saw. That's what he saw is you saw a touchdown and he threw a touchdown on the other team. So obviously brutal. And did you see uh, Dable's interview after when they asked him? I think. No, I, 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 I shut it out. I went right to bed. Yeah, one of the so one of the reporters I think saw Waller back there, and he went to Dable and he was like, "Well, what were you hoping that Daniel Jones would do on that play? Like trying to get him to say throw to Waller?" And and Dable goes, "Not throw an interception." Next I question. love it. I love it. I love it. <laughs> I was Dable, he would not a lot, throw of, an lot of pressure on a lot of pressure on Dable. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. you don't like seeing these teams get so dominated into the first half of games. I think to an extent that's coaching, that's game plan. You know, you can poke holes on the Giants, uh, you know, roster, and there's certainly some issues um, on different levels of the team. But, you know, you see guys like D'Amico Ryans and you see, you know, Slowick and Houston having a great game plan every week. Uh-huh. I, I think that I'll say this, Gannon for, for Arizona, Arizona is coming out and competing in every single week. So uh, I'm not not really uh, too pleased with what I'm seeing from Dable and the Giants, but a lot of it's season tough. left, Coop. We'll see. Yeah, I, I worry. And the other thing, just to tack on real quick, is I worry when they signed Daniel Jones to that contract, when they could have just picked up the fifth-year option, I just worry because I sat here and I watched Andy Reid, and I like Brian Dable as a coach. I watched him drag – I watched Andy Reid drag Alex Smith, not necessarily drag, but go to the playoffs year after year with Alex Smith. And Alex Smith would go to the Pro Bowl, and they'd win 12 or 14 games. And then the moment they brought in Patrick Mahomes, you looked at it and you said, oh, my God. This is what it could have looked like the whole time, probably, if they just had a slightly better quarterback. And you look at it with Carson Wentz and, you know, when Jalen Hurts comes in and you're like, oh, like, you know, so I I just worry that sometimes you have these good coaches and they spend a long time with a Kirk Cousins or I worry about with Jared Goff. Like, what if, you know, like Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell, what if they're, you know, what if he's just not enough, you know, so I do worry about that sometimes for these guys. Yeah, for sure. It's uh it's a it's a weird dilemma for New York because if the the season really does fall apart, they're going to have access to a pretty good quarterback class. I'm not sure if they're going to get the the first pick type deal and be in the mix for like a Caleb Williams, but uh it's going to be hard to pass up on a on a franchise quarterback and then you're stuck with this massive contract that's going to be difficult to get out of and all this dead cap money uh in this Jones deal. So, 
a lot of pressure on Dable, a lot of pressure on Daniel Jones, a lot of pressure on the Giants. But I know where I want those quarterbacks to go. Where do, I know I know you want that. That you know I talked about that with <laughs> Mac Mac Kelly this week on Mind a Mansion, um, and how this you know this not to get off topic, but Bill Belichick. You know, Matt thinks it's it's going to be over for Bill Belichick at some point soon uh, in New England. Uh, where is your head at? It's the biggest loss of his entire career. And we're trying to figure out their final record. I I don't think – I think that, like, they have the win over the Jets. And then you look at the rest of their schedule. It's hard to find a lot of wins on the schedule. Not a lot of wins on there, man. Here's the problem, honestly, is that Bill Belichick, we all know he's a good coach, Right. Yeah. Uh, and people can make arguments that maybe he's not even the greatest coach in the world. Or he's, we, there's certainly arguments that he's not the best GM. He's definitely not good at drafting wide receivers. I'll tell you that. But he's good enough that he can beat these. He can beat bad teams. He can beat bad quarterbacks. Look at the last teams that he's games he's won. You can't sneak one by him with these guys, right? So he beat Teddy Bridgewater and Skylar Thompson. He beat in that game. He beat Zach Wilson. He beat Colt McCoy. So that's the problem is that you need to lose all those goddamn games if you're going to get Caleb Williams or or Drake May because people aren't going to want to trade you. They're not going to want to give that guy to Belichick. You know what I mean? So yeah. like they almost need to get rid of Belichick to be worse. Remember when Adam Gase was winning games for the Jets and they were like, you're fired. Like we cannot have you winning these games. So honestly, it might have to. And, you know, if you spun it like that, that would be amazing. But I just I, imagine if Belichick still – stayed coaching imagine if you wouldn't coach like the chargers or somebody you know it's like i would love it i would love to oh, see boy. bill belichick go, go i know that'll be bittersweet for new england fans but i I'm think a, him, i'm a patriots fan and i'm just like that would be cool it would be, it'd be awesome him, you know? it would be yeah. awesome it would be awesome for sure it's definitely weird and just quickly on the the patriots your th- I, they're very limited in their offensive personnel right now your thoughts on Ramondre stevenson moving forward how you can kind of treat him and then do you have any hope on you have Pop Douglas and Tyquan Thornton. At least those guys could bring some necessary speed into this receiving core. Do you have any hope for those two guys, uh, you know, for players in deep leagues? And then the Ramondre is a little bit concerning because they're starting to, you know, give all this work to Zeke. Um, it's a little bit concerning for Ramondre Stevenson managers right now. Yeah, I mean, the problem for the wide receivers is Bill Belichick has this, like, obsession with the blocking ability of the, of the ex-wide receiver. Right. It's like you said all exercise team earlier today. Maybe one of the greatest all exercise performances ever was the Demir Bird Patriots season where he was out there every snap. Devontae Parker's out there every snap, dude, just getting getting his ass kicked by Sauce Gardner, whoever. It doesn't matter. So when you have that and you have Hunter Henry and then you have Mike Gusecki mixing in, it's so hard to get full snaps for anybody. Juju is just Juju is playing the weirdest role I've ever seen where. Every week he plays a decent number of snaps and then comes out for pass plays, but he's out there for run plays. Like clearly he's not, he's not healthy. It's just a big mess. So for me, I'm starting Ramondre and in my yin and yang rankings on the safe side, I have Hunter Henry. So uh, we've moved down. I just talked about Waller and Pitts. You can't drop them, but at this stage I'm rostering two players and I'm just basically picking up whoever the best matchup is for this week and starting them. And I'm, Waller, I'm still starting this week. But Kyle Pitts, I look at and I'm like, I don't even know why I start this guy. You know what I mean? Like Pitts is the craziest one because everything's green. Everyone knows that everything is green on the sheet across the board. He's second in route participation. His target share is like 17. He has blocked on one pass play the entire season. His ADOT is first. He's first in ADOT. He's first in wide receiver percent of snaps. Like it's outrageous. It's just I think his knee's messed up and they need Taylor Heineke. But that's what you're doing with Kyle Pitts is you're holding on to him 
to hope his knee gets better and hope Taylor Heineke starts. And then, and then, I mean, I saw him have a thousand yard season with the ghost of Matt Ryan. So why not? So that's why you can't necessarily drop these guys. You can't drop Dallas Goddard either. I mean, just to skip ahead a little bit, I know we're crunching on time. So I'll just answer a couple yeah, questions yeah, no, before you ask him, buddy. Go with Dallas Goddard because Dallas yeah. Goddard's become kind of like a punchline for you. Um, you know, on, on Twitter, you know, you weren't shocked by his kind of, it's kind of like a middling performance. Um, you know, we've seen some kind of changes with the the new offensive coordinator, Johnson, there, where A.J. Brown's getting peppered with targets. It, the last two weeks, he's got like 27 targets. It's incredible. DeAndre Swift, obviously, we've seen his, his usage go up. He looks great. Devonta Smith is what he is. But Dallas Goddard's yet to be super impactful for fantasy managers. What are your thoughts on him kind of moving forward? Do people need to temper their expectations of what he is this year? Well, first of all, and this is the problem with what I have to do as the tight end whisperer. And you know, I never call myself that, but you know, it's like no, no, we call that. you that. We call you they, that. They expect yeah. me to do it. And and shout out to also the other t- Dan Williamson is he's yeah. part of the tight end whisperer brotherhood over at the. Yeah, Coach. you guys have like a secret handshake. You won't even let yeah. me see it. <laughs> you guys are you're a tight end whisperer too. The thing is, for me, I I, I would never gatekeep a nickname. I never call myself. And I call Howard Bender as my tight end whisperer. To me, anyone you rely on for tight end advice, they can be your tight end whisperer. Just like, you know, so-and-so could be your goat, right? If you want a Brady or whatever. So, you know what? Tight end consigliere. Exactly. Like the guy dude. people yeah. hit up in the in the DMs. People do hit me up for the tight end whisperer stuff. And I'll tell you what. The thing is, I wrote an article, and there were five guys in there I said, do not draft at ADP. Five, every year I do a fades article. Not once, for half a decade now, Theo, not one tight end from this article has finished top five of the this year, the the guys in the article were Dallas Goddard, George Kittle, Pat Fryermuth, uh, Irv Smith, and Gerald Everett. And I said these are the traps at ADP. Whatever, because like people weren't drafting Irv Smith even in best ball. I was like, you know, you you want guys that are focal points of the offense, and these guys are in a tough spot. But I tell people not to draft these guys, but then they draft them anyway, and then they still come back to me with these problems. And I still have to answer those problems, and I still have to tell you what to do. And with Dallas Goddard, if you drafted him, you can't drop him. You can't drop him because he is one of the best handcuffs in all of fantasy football. He is a double handcuff. If if he was a running back, we'd be calling him a handcuff plus. That's what I said this offseason. You're drafting a handcuff plus. He has some standalone value. It's A.J. Dillon or whoever. But if one of the wide receiver gets hurt, now he has difference-making upside. Right. And in this case, with running backs, it's all it's like you need the one running back to get hurt and then your guy's good. With Dallas Goddard, it's either guy. If either guy goes down, we've seen time and time again when one of the players goes down, the other two just get peppered. Quez Watkins, he his his numbers go up a little bit, but Quez Watkins is also hurt right now. All the media is Zacchaeus, he's not going to become a star. So, you know, with Dallas Goddard got hurt last year, the Smith and AJ Brown were each getting like nine targets a game. Right. So if something ha- you can't, you have to hold him. But what we did is we moved Kittle and Goddard down to the yin side, where if you have them, take a de- take a bench spot and throw a Luke Musgrave, throw a Dalton Kincaid, throw a Logan Thomas, anything on there to try and get some upside. And but you can't drop him because because what happens if you drop Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown gets hurt, then yeah. you just missed your shot at having he will he probably I would probably move him into my top five tight ends for the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I think that's a great, great way of looking at things with the with the target pecking order in Philadelphia. Right. How those three guys they're so reliant on that trio that if one goes down, you know, another one would step up. Uh, that's a great way of looking at things. One tight end that's moved up in your rankings, and it's funny because this was a guy who was your like a league winning advice. You were telling people to draft him last off season. Then he actually did win leagues, and that's Evan Engram. But then this off season, he moved into kind of like that 
somewhat of a tight end dead zone area. And we talked about this. Uh, I don't even know if it was you and me and Dan Williamson or you and me and Billy Muzio. We did so many of these this summer. But Evan Engram has kind of not only beat expectations at ADP, but he's been one of the most consistent players on Jacksonville. Uh, the guy's had at least five uh, catches in every game so far this season. He's second in Jacksonville in terms of overall catches, and he's tied for the lead uh, in yards. Had a very good game this past week in London against Atlanta and faces off in, in a really, really tilting matchup against Buffalo this weekend. Your thoughts on Evan Ingram? How bullish are you on him rest of the way? Uh, and your th- overall thoughts on this Jacksonville offense? Yeah, I mean, Evan Ingram, he's my favorite player. So, you know, anytime we can talk Ingram, you know I'm in. You know I've been touting Ingram for years. Uh, years. It, why I've been, why I've also been a little biased against Daniel Jones, no doubt about that. Like I'll admit that I can admit when I'm biased for certain for certain things. But the thing is, this is a guy green across the board. The one spot where he's not green is average depth of target, right? But that's because he's getting so many screens. He leads all tight ends in screens, and his yak is six point three. So his average, he's making up for some of that a dot with yak on the screens, and that's actually the problem with Dallas Goddard. Dallas Goddard got nineteen screens last year. This new OC, he doesn't like that. He doesn't. He doesn't run the tight end screen as much. So, uh, kind of, kind of interesting how that goes. But the reason we were we were we didn't have Ingram, Evan Ingram as high is simple. Is because Calvin Ridley came in and Zay Jones will be back. But even then, he's trustworthy. He was our number one yin in our yin and yang tight end ranks. Like I was telling people, the most conservative way to handle the tight end position is not is either to draft Travis Kelsey or to wait and take Evan Ingram and then take one of the rookies. Now. The, here's the real heartbreaker, Theo, is I've gotten this year in my replies to my tweets so many people saying that they drafted Evan Ingram and went in and yang tight end, but they didn't take Sam Laporta. You know why? They have the why same bye week. They have the same bye week. So many people said I was looking at Ev- I was looking at Laporta and I didn't take him because he's got the same bye week as Ingram. And I, I think that it's it goes to show that forget bye weeks. Just don't worry about him. Just take, if you want to take the guy, take the guy. But yeah, a lot of people that that would have been like the king combo for for the strategy. But you know what? It is what it is. Uh, but yeah, like Evan Ingram, he's been rock solid. I, I just moved him up to the standalone because I look at it and I say we used to have Kittle up in the standalone tier. We used to have Goddard up there, and now we can't trust those guys. And they're in sim- they're they're in a worse target situation than uh, than Ingram is. So. If, if those guys, if you can't trust Engram, then who the hell can you trust these days? So he's up there. The five guys that are there right now are, uh, and, and again, the article's free. Go to my timeline. I update it every Tuesday. So I'm updating this chart every Tuesday with write-ups on every player. I mean, Theo. Yeah, I'm going to retweet do, it. I'm going to retweet it as well. It's yeah. great. Can I do more for the tight end position though? It's like I'm, I'm doing everything I can. So uh, go check that out now. But the five guys that I trust right now are, are Kelsey, Andrews, Hawkinson, Laporta, and Engram. Everybody else, I'm saying you should have two tight ends right now, especially with bye weeks starting. Last tight end I want to ask you about, are the tides shifting for Dalton Kincaid? Kincaid was a guy that I thought could have a impact like Laporte is having right now. Uh, and certainly, you know, there, there was some frustration, but it seems like the usage is moving up at least last week. Your thoughts and your hopes for Dalton Kincaid moving forward? Yeah, the plan was always the same with Dalton Kincaid, was to draft two tight ends, Kincaid being one of them, and hold on to him to see if he hits the peak. Now, the problem here is the same psychological issues that we run into, Theo, is that if Sam Laporta didn't exist, we'd be looking at Dalton Kincaid and we'd be saying, this isn't too bad. I pulled up the all-time 
rookie tight end uh, receptions through four games. And Dalton Kincaid is seventh. He's tied with Kyle Pitts through four games for seventh, which is good, right? That's very good. But but Sam Laporte is one all time. And it's, you know what I mean? Like Sam Laporte is just, it's so good that we look at Dalton Kincaid and they're like, why isn't he Sam Laporta? When in reality right now, his usage is among the best of any rookie tight end. And, and, and finally, this week, he, for the first time, ran more routes. than He played more snaps than Dawson Knox. He ran 23 routes, which tied Gabe Davis and was only – they're only behind Stephon Diggs, who ran 27. So it's trending in the right direction. It's just – it's the Laporta effect that's making people say, oh, I have to drop this guy to waivers because he's not Sam Laporta. Dude, there's not that many Sam Laportas. And think about how many people dropped Amon Ross St. Brown. You talked about it, how he didn't you know break out for a while, not till week 11 when his role changed. Uh, well, you know what? Sometimes it takes a little time. So Dalton Kincaid, if people start dropping him and you don't have an Ingram or a Laporta or or Andrews, like if you have Dallas Goddard and someone drops Dalton Kincaid, you just scoop him up. Scoop him up and and hope that he is this year's breakout tight end. Logan Thomas in 2020, through six weeks, he was tight end 26, and he finished at tight end three. All right? so I love it. Got to give, got to take a little time. Yeah, Kincaid scores this weekend against Jacksonville. Coop, what game are you most excited for this weekend? I mean, it's without a doubt the uh with the the Chiefs Vikings one because I I, I just think the I know Kirk Cousins, man. Like he is the he's Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or you know what I mean? Like he if he comes out and has a bad game, next game or do, or he'll have a bad half and then he'll have a crazy game. I think that Kirk Cousins is going to be taking this game very seriously at home against the Chiefs, and I'm just hoping this one is going to be as fun shootout wise as as we hope. Oh, we love it. Yeah. I mean, fantasy wise, you got you got to hope for points in that one. And we were so let down by that Jacksonville Kansas City game. We thought that was going to be a fun fantasy I know, shootout. I know. This one, this one though, Coop, we got. I mean, the Chargers Vikings get kind of give us everything we wanted, except there was a couple of goofy plays. That was the only reason that wasn't like a 38-35 game turns into a right. 28-24 game. This Kansas City Minnesota game, it feels like a lot of points. We love Dude. games like that. Uh, let everybody know again where they can find you. And I'm going to retweet your article, uh, but I, I highly recommend it being part of your weekly reading, um, you know, and part of your weekly routine. It drops every single Tuesday, so it can definitely help you with waivers, uh, whether your league has Tuesday or Wednesday night waivers. You know, make sure you read this, especially if you're looking to add some new tight ends. Uh, Coop, you're, you're everywhere, man. Let everybody know where they can find you. Yeah, man. And I will say this about the the yin and yang tight end article is that it goes hand in hand with your player profiler stuff because it's a philosophy. It gets you thinking a certain way where you can take the idea and my rankings and then go over to the player profiler rankings and and check out those and say, OK, these are the tight ends they like. And here's how I'm going to mix and match them. Right. So it's not like it's not like it's one or the other. Like you take my philosophy, use the guys you trust at player profile because I know you guys do. And I just want to say real quick before I plug my stuff, I love that you guys separate in your dynasty stuff the ups, you know, the competing now versus not competing. Because oh yeah, that's very huge, cool, huge man. Because it's like my tight end. People ask me who's your dynasty tight end one. Well, it depends where you are. If you're competing now, it's Travis, Travis Kelsey. If you're competing for later, it might be Sam Lapore. So anyway, just hit me up on Twitter at Coop A Fiasco. I post all my stuff. I'm live every day uh, on the Fancy Alarm YouTube. 
pretty much from 1 to 3 p.m. every single day, just talking philosophy like this, stuff like this. Theo is coming on the show on a Friday coming up this year. I, this is me. I'm not even asking you. I'm telling you right now that you're coming. I'm in. So. I'm in, man. Right? You, know, so, you, you could just, you, you know, you just say, come on the show. I'll just pencil I'm you. in. I don't even, yeah, I don't I even say are. like, hey, you know, what date? I'm ready to rock. I got you. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get you going on that, man. It'll be fun, dude. That That's a fun show because we just hit the slate and do an FFPC lineup. So it's fun. So, yeah. Just uh, hit awesome. me up on Twitter. Hit me with your questions. Thanks, gang. Awesome, for sure. And then, guys, speaking of uh, lineup advice and rankings, Billy Muzio and Bradley Stalder are bringing you the Dominator every Saturday night. It's not a podcast. You have to tune in to Player Profiler YouTube and check it out. They're answering every single question. Billy and Bradley planned on being on for like half an hour. It turned into like an hour because there were so many people with lineup questions. That show is going to be dropping at either 9 or 9.30 Eastern time on Saturday evenings, there'll be a tweet. Check out Player Profiler uh, Twitter for that. Uh, shout out to those guys on the Dominator. Uh, and yeah, our all-in package right now got got lowered to $85, uh, lowered from the summer price. And if you use the code Theo, you get $10 more off. That gives you Billy's rankings. Uh, it gives you all of our Dynasty information. Uh, it gives you our DFS tools. It's, it's a great resource. Check out Andrew Cooper at Koopa Fiasco on Twitter. Check out his work at Fantasy Alarm. It's dope. It's great stuff. And stick with us at Player Profiler. We want to see you win a lot of money. We see want to see you win a lot of leagues this season. Uh, got a lot more great stuff coming up uh, all, all season long here at Press Coverage and at First Class Fantasy. Uh, and enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, I want to take a moment to thank you for tuning in. It's important to me that all of our media be free. This is only possible because of you allowing a true independent sports media enterprise to thrive unlike any other in the business. So please subscribe to the All In Package to continue to make all this possible to ensure that all of our stats, information, data, content is available to you, especially you, the people that get the site and get the show.